Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. This is episode 69, and we just got back from the summit. So sad. I wanted to last like the whole year, but that I would know, not right? make any sense to be to be that long. But it's a fast couple fun days. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, we yeah. talked about today as a group. It's like a time warp. It's <laughs> over as soon as it starts, and it's it's. We always use that wedding analogy of just so much time and energy put into preparing it, and then wham, it's over. Yeah, but always a blast, and hope you guys enjoyed the live live recording that was the perfect venue where we decided we're just going to post up pictures of that same view as we're recording every other episode <laughs> yeah, that was because it that sure was beats even the weather is perfect like neighbor's it was front door yeah it was good yeah. good times yeah but mostly fully recovered you guys all feel like you're recovered i was i was wiped until sunday afternoon Ooh, i went down for the count on saturday with a fever <laughs> oh my gosh oh no yeah I'm still feeling like I'm catching up, but I'm feeling better. better, better. Yeah, we uh, we stayed a couple extra days in oh, Chicago. Right. Yeah. Thursday and Friday, got back Saturday. So, yeah, uh, it was like Monday. Um, I felt normal. <laughs> uh, I'm like, okay, back on the swing of things. Here we go. I felt I felt a little sorry. Not not really, but I'm I'm smiling as I'm saying this. That when I had my <laughs> first coaching call on Monday at like 10 a.m. And, you know, someone who's at the summit and I'm like, Hey, <laughs> you were with me for two days. Now we're here again. You excited? And they were, yeah, but it was, <laughs> it was like decompressed time for them of like, okay, so I've got these four pages of notes and I haven't had time to go through them. So let's, let's just talk some more. It was good, good times, but yep. Yeah. They're probably uh, like, is Kevin going to ask me what I did so far? Like what, what my plan is? <laughs> you like, could see, you oh, could see a little of that too, uh, this whole week of people like, a kind of pre-apologizing of, Hey, you know, I might not have got as That's much funny. done since we last talked, but it was because of the summit, you know, right? Like yeah. it was like, okay, so, okay. Teacher. So give me an A <laughs> still, I still, I still did, did a lot of things. It was, it was good times. Good times. Awesome. And more to come on that. We'll, we'll have more uh, breakdowns uh, in blogs and outlines of some of the, the key points that, that people had and, and takeaways and even in story time. So let's dig into story time. We'll have a little bit of talk from, uh, post post summit uh, interactions as well. I imagine at least that's what mine's going to be. Mine too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Same here. Okay, get us get All us right. started. Well, mine was actually at the summit where we were doing our small breakout sessions, and mm -hmm. my group wanted to talk about Facebook, and we had a couple of new faces, and one guy was like, "I'm getting really good action from Facebook lead ads." says, so I'm getting tons of names. <laughs> and I said, well, that's great that you're getting tons of names. How are the sales, sales going? He goes, well, they take a lot of extra work. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, have you thought about trying landing pages with your Facebook pixel and custom conversions? It's like, no, I'm getting really good traffic. So at the table, we had a little bit of a discussion about, yeah, you know, if you think you're doing great now, wait till you try this other thing because it works better. Yeah. So for the context there was we let people kind of choose their own adventure. Yeah. And so this is people who want to talk about Facebook. 
And it is interesting, similar story, just on our family time call, Mike was talking about a builder who was working with another agency. And and we've been running uh, collection ads for a little over a year or close to a year now. And this agency was just pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. And finally, the the director just said, just do it already. And they did it. <laughs> and then they came back like, oh my gosh, these are great. You know, we, we want to move all of your ads over to collection ads. And it's like, ah, why did, why does this take so long? But if, if he's, <laughs> if they're using lead ads or getting names directly from Facebook, it sounds like yeah. what is what this guy was doing yeah. that it, it, it feels like it's such a good thing. Like you're making, you have to be making progress if you're getting a hundred names a week, yeah. right? That has to, it, it must lead to something great. And yet too often it doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, custom conversions yep. and collection ads for the win. Yeah. For sure. And not not saying this is what happened, but it's always interesting, different, like your first time talking about your own data with other people. I think it yeah. takes a lot to get used to. Like there's like this, you're protecting your ego and your company's mm-hmm. yeah. numbers. Um, but I think there's a lot of ego involved, not ego as far as I'm thinking like enough more like philosophy class here and like and you have your ego like your person versus like someone has a big ego if that makes any sense but yeah to to but i think it's the point of the the, the smaller sessions and the table talk is like hey this is a safe spot to talk about these yeah. things like like everyone be on the Man, same page I, as someone's like hey my conversion rate's 10 percent you're like uh no no it's not <laughs> like we know what's real here right well because it's but so that's a fun ahead, finish, fun finish. thing <laughs> Oh, you, you go ahead. I was going to say, it's so good to like watch people learn from each other. And so like I could sit there and uh-huh. say landing pages, pixels and custom conversions, but the rest of the table started talking and said, yeah, we were doing those too, but wait till you do this. This is way better. And they shared their experiences and how the whole process of going through the landing page to the online sales counselor through to the appointment really made a huge difference by using the landing page versus trying, just trying to capture people off Facebook. Yeah. Landing pages or, or the, or your own page that is the landing page, right. On your own site, either one. Yep. No, I, and I totally get what, what both of you are talking about in terms of that fear. Mm -hmm. Cause even when I was talking about my top five return on investment things and how those had changed, I mean, I was, until oh. the moment I put the slide up on the screen, I was like, I could still go back and change that. <laughs> I could still go back and change that because, you know, to put, to to put something like yeah. paid search, and this is going to come back in our store, in our news segment, to put something like paid search as number five on that list, that when it used to be number yeah. two, it just felt like, I feel like everyone's going to think I'm crazy or I have an agenda here. And so I totally understand, like, anytime you put something out there in the world, you're never sure how it's going to be perceived or taken. And, and when it's your like full-time job and and you are the builder, you're always going to be a little bit cautious about sharing information, but we definitely, you know, the surveys came back that, that, that part of the day where they were in those small groups, as well as small, uh, kind of like homework assignments, uh, at their tables were people's favorite time. So once you get past that awkwardness, you know, that quickly becomes like, Oh, Kevin, Andrew, who? Like, let's just talk yeah. to each other. <laughs> and yeah, not, not quite, about but, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, Andrew, funny. how about you? What do you got? Mine, I, I put notes down. It seems like it's clickbait headline. 
Ooh. So I was talking with, I feel like he's going to be a guest soon, so I'm going to say his name, Ryan. He Ryan better Star be. He better stop Homes. ducking us, He Ryan. better be. I'm just <laughs> I know. And, that's, and he talked at the summit kind of in front of people, and I'm like, okay, people probably know his name. Anyway, so he contacts his creative ability, I think, is yeah. like 10 out of 10, 11 yeah. out of 10. Like, it is amazing. Yep. He is on the far yep. spectrum of, like, creative work, and he could just, like, knock it out. And Can so you with imagine that, if like, him he, and Elena Money combined forces oh somehow <laughs> that would be insane like Should insanity not. that would be i'd love it elena's and words so with talking, his visuals yeah oh yeah that'd be beautiful he sent me an email and he he was talking about like hey how do you get started into data and i'm like this is a weird question because that's like i'm like this is what marketing is you have data he's like it's kind of like i feel like some of this is kind of like forcing a child to eat brussels sprouts like you just have to like shove it in there and like hopefully they like it and they get used to it and i'm like okay i kind of get what you're saying but then i thought about like oh what about the opposite like i'm not the most creative type like what if my job was to be as creative as ryan i'd be like terrified right and if, like i don't know how to do this like my hands like i don't even know what button to press like where do i even begin and just yeah, which that canva of, like, template oh, do i use to be really which, creative <laughs> <laughs> yeah which canva template which one Four oh, photos yeah. or three? He's the one making the camera templates. <laughs> Four or three, which one? And so it just, it, it kind of like grounded me like, oh, there's people that like my, my fear, quote, into like the creative world is what their fear is to the data and tracking the analytics and like doing Google Tag Manager, like all those things. Like I have no, like, I'll just go and do it. Like, let's just figure this thing out. But that's normal to me. What's not normal is going into the creative side. Um, anyways, I think we'll, we'll probably in that episode, he wants to kind of have a discussion about that because I'm sure there's a good 20, 30% of the marketers listening that like they have that fear, which is okay. Yeah. Yep. I think because I have the fear on the opposite side and I'm liking the quote, the ad doctor, <laughs> the creative stuff. I'm like, Oh, like, I don't know. Like that makes me nervous. Like that's something pretty I have to make. I don't know. Give it to well, Ryan to do. That's all right. That's also why you have a balance of a team yeah. sometimes too. So correct. Mm -hmm. you're heavily weighted more towards ads and numbers and, and that kind of stuff. Whereas Jackie, myself and, and Becca have a little bit more creative outlets just in our past. Not that we're super creative every yeah. day of our lives, but we, we have a little bit of a different history there. Becca with photography, Jackie with design and me with, Everything. I don't know, digital stuff. <laughs> And technology. But I, the other Stop. thing that hit me about your analogy of Brussels sprouts is as a kid, you know, I like to tell you weird things about myself whenever I can. Yeah. I was that kid because I was the baby of the family. They'd be like, you need to eat that or oh, you can't man. leave the table. And I'd sit there for two hours. My, like my whole family would clean up their plates. They'd go watch the evening news and I'd just be hanging out. Oh, that's funny. I'm not, I'm not putting that in my body right now. It, don't, it doesn't matter what's happening. And so eventually I would most of the time win again, cause I was the baby of the family and I would eat a hot dog or something else instead. My, my sister and brother always tease me about that. Kevin got hot dogs. We had to eat the fish or whatever <laughs> it was. And I, so I think unlike Brussels sprouts in this analogy of, of being afraid of anything creative or data in marketing, it's more mm -hmm. like a final exam of it, it will eventually catch up with you. So it's not just that you're scared of it and maybe you can avoid it. E either end of that spectrum, if you're too far and you, and you don't protect your blind spot there, eventually when the final exam happens, like everyone un understands what your weakness is. And at a company, it, you know, that exam might be coming every month, every quarter, once a year. 
uh, whenever the downturn <laughs> comes again back around. But like you, you have to think about it that way of you can't push off. It's, I think we talked in either together, Andrew, or with someone else that marketing is much more like math uh, or learning a foreign language and that it all yeah. builds on itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you can't just cram or, you know, do other methods of learning. You've got to get each layer down because otherwise that, that tower is going to fall over. <laughs> Jenga. There we go. Oh, One yeah. piece at a time. Jenga. The tower builds itself. Keep all your yeah. pieces. It's not going to fall. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, yep. I just thought it was, yeah, it was nice. Like between him and I was, it was fun, honest, transparent conversation. Um, it was refreshing. And I, I, I'm like, oh, this is, this is perfect. Like people have fear. I had no, it might shape, you know, maybe content from my side. Like people actually, this makes them nervous, like that they're doing the wrong yeah. thing. And I don't even, I've never even considered that as far as like something that people can feel when they log into mm-hmm. analytics. Like it's just. I'm like, oh, they just don't know what button to press. Like, whatever. They didn't sign you up for that, Andrew. Right I mean, direction. they went to college, they came out or whatever. You know, they're like, marketing equals creativity. And yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some math. Like, I've got to pay bills and sign off on invoices. So there'll be math there, <laughs> but otherwise it's creative. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, holy smokes. So much of this now is, is based in data that mm-hmm. they're just in denial a little bit at times. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Well, my story came right after the summit, but was connected to a a gal on a coaching call. Her her boss is a little bit late, so we started, and she's like, "Hey, I I love the summit, but there's just so much. I mean, it was it's her first year in the business, and she's just like, there's so many different aspects, and I just want to know, go back and going back through all my notes. Where do I start? What's what's the most important thing for me to know right (laughs) now? And it was a good clarifying moment for for me, kind of on the spot to say. Okay, I think the most important thing is to first understand the overall context. And I showed her a little worksheet that we use. It has different names, community tracker, market tracker, but you know, basically breaks down how many leads do I need to get the sales goal uh, based upon historical ratios or current ratios at different parts of the process. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you need to understand generally how all this works because you always need to know what your part is contributing. Whatever you're working on now. In the back of your mind, you should be thinking, I understand how this builds to solve the overall problem. And then what I kind of walked into and I made the comment, I'm like, thanks for helping me with with the next keynote or or talk that I want to give some other time is start with analytics because it it helps you break down, you know, what is actually happening. So you need to know how to get into analytics, feel comfortable enough in there to play with the data, uncover uh, the things that the answers to the questions that you have or someone else has. And then using that same form, just kind of walking back from focus on the things that you as a marketer control first. So again, going back into analytics because that's just numbers and, and kind of in air quotes facts. And then working from the left to right on that sheet, you kind of lead into, okay, now what creates website traffic? So that then you're going into paid search and, and paid social and actual ads and learning those each one at a time, becoming experts on those. Then you're going to lean into oh, leads and leads to appointments. So you better learn how to use the CRM kind of after ads, right? So we got analytics, advertising, which then you can hold accountable because you know and understand analytics. Then you lean into the CRM. And then once you are comfortable and use that for six months, a year, whatever, then you're going to start interacting with sales people or sales management more directly. 
And we were talking about, you know, the first time you go out and visit a salesperson in a model home, if you've been spending two months semi-regularly looking at the data and the CRM related to that community and that salesperson, you will already kind of know the behaviors that they are likely to be be doing in that in that model. You'll understand the flow. And it, so it was just a, for me, it was a cool uh, kind of lightning rod moment of, yeah, that's kind of, I think how I, and, and as I, I just made it up mm-hmm. on the call somewhat, uh, but any, you guys have any, as I'm saying that, does it make sense to you? Anything you would change in that order? Mm. I'll go first. Yeah. I think it's people will, well, the order wouldn't change, but just seeing what's the quote that's like, you can't see the forest from the <laughs> trees or but mm-hmm. I'm probably butchering it. But I think we sometimes get in our little worlds and we're like, Oh, we need traffic, we need traffic, we need traffic. And it's like, well, well, let's take a step back. Like, why do we need traffic? What, what do we solve? Yeah. What's exactly. the problem that we're solving within the whole picture of it, seeing it as a, a unit, which I guess is not, I say, I don't say that's not standard for say a mid-level marketer to look at because you're really looking at the whole yeah. company as if, like a VP would or something. You're looking at everything and where does where do I fit? But probably a good employee of any department would look at their self in that that aspect. Yep. I, I think that's the tension, right? Is if you if you start with that kind of overall look, I think it's really mm-hmm. tempting if you're brand new to say, oh, well, based upon industry benchmarks or what I've heard from Do mm-hmm. You Convert or wherever, I think I should skip analytics advertising and just jump right into the CRM. And I, th- I think the reason I laid it out the way I did again is because it, it, you're starting on the things you can yeah. control and are totally up to you. And you might not need to stay there very long if you master them quickly or you realize that, you know, the partner you're using is doing things in a, in a great job. You, c- you might be able to progress quicker. But I think starting, you know, like I could just imagine the worst way to start your marketing career is to knock on the salesperson's door and be like, I was just wondering, why don't you sell more homes? Because you get a lot of leads, <laughs> right? That would that would be not the best first day mm. on the job. You'd have some uh, angry anything, sales Becca, people on that. Well, I that, really that like you? that that sequence. I didn't go. I didn't learn with that sequence, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> and part of that was hard because, knocks taught us a little bit. Yeah, we were implementing a CRM when I started. It was kind of why they hired me. And then I had to build advertising and analytics kind of together. So yeah, and that that makes total sense too. Yeah. Um, in this context, this is someone who's coming into a team that's already functioning well. They're not yes. the only marketer on the team. Yeah. They're not the head of of anything or the VP. It's just hey, I'm new to this marketing team, and I want to learn it all. But where do I start? You got to start. And with so the- you're right. There's definitely going to be differences and nuances. It's not going to yeah. be the perfect route for everyone. But if you've got all the pieces in place and you're new, then you want to start with the big picture because you can't go into the granular level if you don't understand the big picture of what's going on and what the goals are. Yep. And we'll just put a quick link in the show notes to a resource somehow. Thais is magical. She'll figure it out. Or do a (laughs) screenshot of just kind of the basic overview of that that piece because it really is, at the end of the day, it's 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 the most important tool or dashboard or set of metrics that I would ever want to look at as a marketer, either the company as a whole, do it by community, do it by salesperson. There's lots of different ways to do it, but it's the thing that I continue to reference probably more than anything else. That's not Google or Facebook's backend. 
Okay, we nice. have another call in. Ooh. Holy smokes, this is awesome. This is uh, someone calling in to update us, uh, kind of related to the chaos in the overall used home market. Play that call, Thais. Hey, Thais. Podcast was fantastic this week, as it always. always. One thing that's changing in the state of Washington as it pertains to selling office commissions is that now gets to be negotiated uh, up front. So sellers can now decide what they want to pay selling office commissions, which is could be part of the reason that you may see a change in how Redfin and some of the online companies operate. Uh, and the consumers are now going to be able to see that a selling office commission uh, up front as well. So I think there's some more uh, to that story of what uh, uh, may be happening out there. So thank you very much. It's always great podcast. Thank you. Bye now. Go Hawks. So this is connected to a news article that we talked about, I think, in episode 65, uh, where it talked about, you know, Redfin champion transparency in real estate. And so, uh, again, thanks. Thank you to the caller for kind of updating live what's going on in Washington State with seller commissions, uh, just becoming more of, of a transparent thing. It's it's technically always been negotiable. Uh, everything in life is negotiable to a point, but it's interesting to see that more scrutiny is is coming on all sides of the transaction for sure. Yeah. It sounds like they're forcing that conversation. I wonder if you'll be like, if your home sells for this, this is what you will pay me and you sign. Yeah. That's kind of what he was forcing versus like, like, yeah, the standard fees 3% and then I'm gonna do all this marketing to sell it. And like, wait, 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 3%. Like you didn't even, they, they say it, but it's not like this. Or they show the math because saying 3% and looking at the dollars, the 3% is sometimes are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two different experiences when you, yeah, when you million look at those dollar numbers. Home like, in Seattle, three percent. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, thanks so much for calling in. You too can call in and leave a voicemail with questions, comments, insights on on this week's episode or any of the other ones at 404-369-2595. All right, let's dive into the news. We got uh, three of of them here for you. The first one. Again, it'll be a link to a screenshot of the show notes, but Facebook released an internal guide, right, Andrew, on some hot topics that we hear a lot, uh, specifically around refreshing creative. Yes. And it was very enlightening because it's <laughs> talked about a question that was that it's a kind of common question, but then people are like, oh, it's something we don't worry about. But then it, depending on who you talk to, it might, might peak up. But essentially, when should you update your ads or your creative or creative mm-hmm. fatigue is the word that that Facebook uses. It was really yeah. interesting. Their metric they gave on the campaign frequency of six to seven, which is high, right? At, at least yeah, high. Right? I'm like, that feels really high. Yeah. That's, Very that's few of the builders that we work with of all sizes are getting anywhere close to that frequency of six to seven in a month. And I think it's interesting, again, the t- the the background here is sometimes marketers just feel bad because they're like, shouldn't this be harder? Remember it used to be hard. We had to make a new newspaper ad every week and that was a lot of work. And then we had to make new direct mail pieces all the time. And, uh, we have to, we're supposed to post organically. Apparently some people still talking about doing that every day or twice a day or whatever. So how can we just have this, you know, one general campaign that's doing so well for us and we don't need to change the pictures like every three. It just seems right. like it, it should be harder than that at times. And they kind of came up with their, their basic thing was either. Yeah. 
you should evaluate it, look at for a six to seven campaign frequency, and it might be time to swap. But they also said that varies based upon the audience, the product, and of course, how good the ad is. Yeah. Um, they also suggest just changing the targeting. And we've talked about this before. You got something that works really well and you are concerned about fatigue. It's great. Turn it off, create another version that's almost the same and just wait 30 to 60 days and then turn that one off and turn the other one back on. It's, you know, most of the people mm-hmm. being yeah. targeted at that point are likely to be uh, a different or at a different place in their new home search. So yeah, yeah not, not a lot to talk about here other than it was, it's always good to hear them reaffirm things that we've been telling people for, I feel like a couple of years now yeah. of it's okay. You're, you're seeing your ad a lot more than you are, uh, unless you block yourself intentionally. Yeah. You know, you're on the, your site all the time. Yeah, that's most weird. likely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was a, that was a great one to, to see Facebook send that out. Uh, yeah, the next one um, is a very, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say to add to that. I think it's depending on where information is coming from, where they're like, if usually I think people bring up something like this because they heard something from someone else or they read something from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, typically I think when homes are easier to, I think it's an easier product to sell on Facebook versus like, if I'm trying to sell, like I'm looking around, um, I have sunglasses right next to me. It's like, that the targeting of that can be almost anybody, even thinking about the conversion objective and how you would exactly set up right. the yeah. funnel. So the, I think you could have a lot of creative fatigue with sunglasses, but homes, like if it's a beautiful kitchen and has great photos and all those sorts of things, we, we get a little bit of an advantage. Yeah. I just wanted to put that out I there. Think, yeah, I think it ties in with how the we, pixel we works. Get a little, yeah. Too. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the exactly. comments also, make a big impact. So if people are scrolling down and reading through comments, like I just like to read comments on things. (laughs) (laughs) And when when they're great, they don't go bad. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very true. Exactly. Very true. Cool. Okay. That was it. (laughs) Well, no, I, I, to just to spend another second on that, the, you know, when the pixel to, to your point, and sunglasses, like what other website is a consumer going to that says they're definitely looking at, at for sunglasses? Maybe Oakley, maybe uh, just a whatever few those other, Maui gyms. Just, just a, a few different brand, brands are right? yeah, brand yeah. sites. Yeah, versus homes could be any uh, syndication well, site. Homes, I think, is also somewhat few, right? But it's it's more easily identifiable of if you're on Zillow or Realtor.com or yeah. some other site. It's like, well, the Pixel knows why you're there. Yeah. And that's a pretty large signal to say, hey, if someone wants to advertise to people looking for a house, I can probably target all the folks that my pixel hit on those platforms. And, mm-hmm. and they right know, out. I'm pretty sure they know that your household, what other people are doing in your household related to your user ID. Oh, absolutely. Like yep. Your, mm-hmm. yep. Right. So they know like, mm-hmm. okay, Lindsay, my wife is looking at homes. I'm looking at homes. We are probably really, really likely to be looking at homes versus if she's looking at sunglasses it's, it, it probably stops right there. Um, so they, they're probably testing ads more with a product like that versus a home. They're probably, I think Facebook is, if they had like a percent of like likelihood of ad success, maybe it's a lot higher with homes versus an e-commerce product. If I'm making up Facebook metrics to mm-hmm. try to understand it in my brain and, and, <laughs> and make it make sense. But that seems like something where they would have some type of gauge to be and their algorithm and the, I guess it's not their algorithm and their AI, which is making whatever trillion decisions per day or something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, moving on to the next one, just for the sake of time, because we could stick there for for, uh, for yeah. a while. Uh, from Inman.com, uh, Redemption Month, new home sales exploded in August. Uh, sales of new <laughs> single-family homes rose an astounding 18% year-over-year year in August. Wow. And 7% increase over July. And the other interesting thing here is that the average sales price reported was 404000 uh, right? Median was wow. three twenty-eight, but average of four hundred four. And here's the deal: is there still a shortage of overall housing supply in most markets in the country? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you'll see John Burns and uh, Myers Research and all kinds of folks folks talking about we are nowhere near the amount of homes being constructed as we were at the last peak. And so, it, the other thing, there are a couple things that come to mind here. One is. There were people, you will remember, in early summer, late spring, who were like, this is it. The housing market's going to turn. Like, right now, guys, it's going to... Remember, there was someone who yes. was like... I forget what that was, but they used some really crazy, like, exaggerated... Well, we talked about it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I forgot the name, but I remember yeah. we talked about it, and we're like, yep. this is crazy. Like, why are you, why are you saying this? This is not true. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, uh, an absolute panic. And the other thing is, this is why um, things like... Uh, Facebook and Instagram, we tell builders that to think about that like you do with paid search. If you were flighting your campaigns and you decided we're going to take half of August off or we're only going to market two of our communities on Facebook and Instagram in August, you probably didn't participate in this rise the same way. And I'm not going to talk about numbers because it freaks everyone else out and they want to compare themselves. But there were a ton of builders that we worked with who had really, really great Augusts. Some yeah. of them had their best month of the year in August. Is that supposed to happen? No, no. probably not. <laughs> but they, they were ready for it and participated in it because they were advertising in a consistent method the things that worked the best. So just you, you go, everyone who wants to be scared, you're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. The housing market's not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting to see down here where I am, Tampa. We, it seems like the past month or so, there's all these doom and gloom articles about, I'm in Pinellas County, which is by the beach, most dense county in Florida. Um, like just the issues with real estate and it's like terrible news every single time. And then to see this, this makes me feel good. Yeah. I never agree with the articles before. I'm like, these people are crazy, but it's like every article they were pushing, um, the local bigger newspapers were. The newspapers, yeah. local news outlets. I think I'm New York like, City is, is is one of those few places, and we're not the research stat people on this, but you know, just yeah. anecdotally, the only thing that I really hear is just in New York City in particular, there's just kind of this blitz, partly because of Hudson Yards and other other projects. Of there's just a lot more buildings suddenly on the market at once. That's just a supply and demand thing that the mm-hmm. rest of the country isn't seeing, generally speaking. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay. Last one here from adage.com is that Google rolls out a massive shakeup to their ad business. This was posted on September 20th of this year and don't even really need to talk much about the article. You can go read it. But the idea here is, you know, their top ad chief is shaking up structurally how the company works and they, they're trying to spin it as, Oh no, this just helps us all communicate better and better synergy and all those other buzzwords. But you, looking at it from the outside, I feel like I, I, I kind of want to call BS and say either they're shaking things up because they already know they're in trouble and things are going to change based upon the antitrust yeah. probe that's going on right now mm-hmm. with the government. And they're just trying to either placate and say, hey, we're already going to shake some of these things up anyway. Or, and I 
again, <clears throat> either one of you, if you've heard other anecdotal stories, feel free to share. I just really think um, if they don't come up with some new product or adjustment to their ad business, social is just going to continue to to clock them. I mean, it's just incredible I how much better. Totally agree. <laughs> On both, I, both parts. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we had some really good... There are two things that came up at the summit uh, more times than you would think. Maybe maybe six. I'll just say roughly six. Where someone came up to me and said, do I really need to even do paid search anymore? Yeah. Or uh, we we heard Steve Shoemaker bring this up on the live episode. Do we really even need a, a website anymore? Now, that was mostly just to make you think, not because he really is going to turn off his website, of course. But... That's how powerful Facebook and Instagram really are. That's why we spend so much time talking about it. It's not because we're in love with it. It's just, it's the thing that is moving the needle more than anything else right now until people get their content game uh, in place. So for sure. I think, I think with Google, I don't know if they, I know my experience with, with what we manage on behalf of our builder partners, but the Facebook rep system compared to Google's rep system, as far as the support they provide us is like night and day difference. Google is for sure. If they're listening, like it's, I don't know what you mean, but like, it's almost, a, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a joke. It's like, is no, this really like, how, how this is awful. Yeah. You think about sharing best practices. So, you know, historically we've talked about all these people from these companies as not really adding much value. And that that's changed. I mean, our, our Facebook oh, contacts yeah. provide tremendous value to us. Uh, and, and over the last six months or so that, that game has really changed, but can you imagine if Google even came out with a new thing right now to try to combat Facebook and Instagrams of ad effectiveness, they'd probably do it with like a a white paper post (laughs) on like something five links deep on their, on their ad portal. Right. It's not like Steve or Joe would not be calling us up from Google saying, Hey, you should really test this thing out. They would just be like, you know, you could spend more on. New Homes Columbus. Thanks, buddy. Got it. Yeah, we could. Got it. You know, I just, they just don't, yeah, they're, they're in big trouble. Yeah. Big, big and there's, I don't, I don't, there's no way to, like with Facebook, we could do things and we could bring the cost per click down and, and improve the quality. And we, we have a lot of control over it, but it seems like with, with Google, like we want that keyword, New Home, New Homes Columbus are everything that would indicate, like, do we have room to improve on the ad or the website? Like it's already maxed out. Yeah. So it's like, well, that's, that's what the cost per click is. Like there's no, when you're 10 out of 10. And those on, costs on continue to rise. Whereas even though yeah. more and more advertisers coming to Facebook and Instagram, the costs generally get, are significantly lower than yeah. they were this time last year. Yeah. And that's the other question was everyone saying like, when is this going to really get more expensive? It's getting more expensive because people are choosing to put more of their total dollars there. But again, the cost per click, cost per result, it is less expensive for the vast majority of builders we work with than it was the year before, which is not how it's, you know, mm-hmm. supposed to work. It's not supposed to work. But it's, I need to look up the, so, you know, Facebook sells on a CPM. Um, so cost per mm-hmm. 1,000 impressions is what they, they really sell on, even though we could make it look like we're paying per click or per conversion. Right. It'd be, I need to look up the data and see like year over year, month over month, where has our CPM gone but they also charge i can tell you it's it is it is slightly higher so you're right there you go but that's because the ai is doing his job it's targeting the right people for us so cpm is a little bit higher 
but the results so it, and that that's the other thing you'll see uh, in the analytic data if you're doing this well is you will see that overall conversion rates might be slightly down but total conversions way up so that's oh, the yeah. other thing that people are going sideways on is they're like okay we're spending more social but there's a red arrow showing that the conversion rate from the traffic to my website is down. I'm like, yes, but look at total conversions in that time period. Oh, yeah, they're up all, by 40%. <laughs> yeah, on all channels. That's so, a, that's a fun one with Facebook. If you look at it on Facebook itself, you're like, okay, that's exciting. But then you see the big increase on every channel. Organic, direct, Gotta and see the paid even. Um, see the back in account. So, Magic. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if if we ever were sponsored, I guess we'd be sponsored by Facebook for now. But I, and I'm telling you all right now, I cannot wait for the day that I can come on to, to just help everyone understand to say, it's it. Facebook's not as good as it used to be. I'm kind of excited for that because it, I want, I, I mean, I'm not going to make it happen, but I'm ready for the next, the next challenge. It'll probably yeah, just continue yeah. to be iterations for now for looking in a crystal ball, it's probably just more iterations, new ad types, new strategies, new whatever, but it's, it's still tied around social and I'm not bored of it by any means, but I am, I am excited to have more than one <laughs> thoroughbred racehorse to ride. I, yeah, I get a little like bit uneasy anytime right? one thing is working this well. Yeah. Diversify. Yeah. 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 Let's add some more. So. Yes. Exactly. Maybe with content. Hmm. Maybe we should. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to be joined by the one, the only Mr. Shoemaker. He teased it on the live episode. He's been in the Parade of Homes, but it's a little bit different than years before. So we're going to talk about parades in general and what's different with him this year. We'll be right back. All right, here we go. Our first time repeat guest, Steve Shoemaker. He was first on for a reason, and he's back as the first second time guest for a reason. Steve, excited to have you back with us. Thank you, guys. How are you? Yeah. Good, good. Super excited to have you on. Can't yeah, wait to hear especially so fast after the live episode. Yeah, the- I know that was a lot of fun. My view right now is not near as great as the live episode was. That's for sure. <laughs> I can. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, live episodes don't count as an actual guest appearance for those of you who are sticklers to the details. <laughs> so, so Steve, we really don't even know what we're talking about. We're, we're as intrigued as the listeners are because you just kind of teased this when we were together in Chicago of, okay, well, next time I come on, I want to talk about the parade. And that was interesting because you and I have shared multiple different viewpoints on the parade over the years from must be involved to why in the world would you be involved? So, so now I'm, now I'm curious to hear what you're, what you're doing different. Well, I, I hope that I didn't oversell it. No, we, you'd have to go way back in the podcast archives to listen to that episode. I think Andrew called it things Steve hates and talked about the parade of homes, which I don't hate the parade of homes, but we hadn't participated in, I don't know, but, 10 plus years in the oh, wow. parade of homes and we did this year for the first time in a very long time and so i mentioned that when we were in chicago because i thought you guys would get a kick out of that after i yeah. railed against the parade so much because mm-hmm. my first guess was that you participated by simply targeting keywords related to the parade or putting up your own sign that was similar <laughs> but different but you said no 
I did something yeah. you might not expect. So well, it's spill it, the beans, man. Well, if you recall, I mean, back when we talked about the parade, my biggest objection to the parade has not been the parade itself. I mean, it's good for the industry. It puts a spotlight on it. It's just been from a dollars and cents standpoint, right? You know, the return on investment. So I was never a fan of the time and, and energy and the money that you put in to something that lasts two weeks when you could just plug those dollars, those same dollars into, you know, AdWords or Facebook. I mean, I, I felt like if I came to you guys and said, hey, here's what I'm spending on the parade, go get me an equivalent amount of traffic through targeted Facebook ads, probably would happen pretty easily. I don't know if you yeah. guys agree with that or not. But. So, oh, that yeah. and, and then just the, Back in the day, I always had a problem with the the follow up. You'd spend or registration too. I mean, because that's the other thing is yeah, executing around the follow up as a new home consultant, and you know you'd hear things like, "Well, we didn't register those buyers because they were just parade traffic," and so you're like, Mm -hmm. "What's the the point? What's the point then?" Yeah, everyone gets all excited. Hey, we tripled the amount of traffic we had. Did any of them register? No. It's all unregistered traffic units in the system or just hash marks on a piece of paper, <laughs> you know? Well, and I'll tell you a funny one. So our sister company, who's a custom home builder, they participate in the parade every year. And he called me when he saw we were entered this year. Most, he was laughing at me on the phone. He's like, ah, you're in the parade. And he's like, hey, let me give you some advice. Make sure you turn your attic doors around backwards so nobody can access them and lock the bathroom so nobody can use the toilet. Like he just started telling me all these issues they deal with all the time. And I'm like, not making me feel better. <laughs> but so here's here's the story. So last year, and, and I'll try to be as concise as possible, but we read this book called The Founders Mentality as a Management Team. And it was a really great book at the time for us because going back in our history, our company has a lot of great systems and processes. I mean, we won the National Housing Quality Gold Award, you know, uh, 10 years ago because of our systems and processes. Um, but like any organization, when you grow, those same systems and processes and policies can make you less nimble. It's just harder to get things done. You've layered things on. And so last year, we had a really big push on simplifying, simplifying things, making more decisions out in the field. At the- you guys cut a lot of different stuff that you've done yeah. for a long time, too. We went wild west and it was it felt very uncomfortable to people for a little while because, you know, they people would try to use the normal layers to get things done. And the response would be like, yeah, just do whatever you think's best and we'll deal with it. And the morale around here, it, we always, we've always had a great company culture, but it just was like gas poured on a fire. I mean, this mm. newfound freedom um, that people had and kind of the trust and respect, you know, Vernon, our owner, just company meeting said, you know what, we, we have a rigorous hiring process. We trust you all to make great decisions. Just go execute. And if we screw up, we're just going to do it different next time. And man, we have, from a product development standpoint, done in 10 months what it normally took two years or three years to get done. We're testing new product in the field. Um, mm-hmm. We're hiring trades faster um, because our people on the front lines are making decisions. So it, it's been a really awesome year. But as part of that, we sent out this big company survey of, hey, send us all the bureaucracies in our company. And oh nice. yeah, oh, man. <laughs> You got all this feedback. Well, like any any survey you do, you get some of the stuff you ask. You get back some of the stuff you ask for, right? You're, you know, it takes. I have to ask three people to do this, or it's hard to get this executed because of X, Y, and Z. And we just started slashing bureaucracies. But also, we got all this other random feedback from our team 
that had nothing to do with bureaucracies. It was just kind of people venting a little bit about some stuff that's been bugging them. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, the stinking parade came up like five times. It was like, Ah. like, how come we never participate in the parade? And I see on Facebook, these builders win these awards and it it just, it came up. And so that's where I instituted our marketing lunch and learns where, because there were some other marketing things that came up, you know, most of what we do is in the digital space. Yeah. And so people don't see the, they don't see our billboards. They don't see print ads. They don't hear radio commercials. Yeah. Talk for a second, a little bit more about what those lunch and learns look like, because uh, Beth, number two from the live podcast, you know, she's having this same situation to have that you're describing of the rest of the company, not understanding the shifts that are occurring. So I think it'd be worth you taking, not to get you totally off track, but just, just describe what those are in a little more detail. No, it, it, you and I've talked about this over the years quite a bit that, you know, we, I have the support of the owner of our company and our management team. They buy into what we're doing from a marketing standpoint. And so we put our heads down and execute. We keep people informed. But there are these hundred employees at Ideal Homes that take a lot of pride in what we do every day and work really hard. And they don't, they don't, they see the results, but they don't see, for lack of a better term, how the sausage is made. My favorite phrase. Yep. They're not in the digital space or they they don't see our Google ads or Facebook ads, they're, you know, or their spouse or mom and dad will ask them, how come I never hear anything about ideal homes? And so I used to kind of have this philosophy of, hey, listen, we've got this. The results are the results. The right, the, the right people understand what we're doing. But then I realized that from a team standpoint, um, and as we're becoming more nimble as a company, it requires a lot of trust and respect internally. So after we got that feedback, I thought, you know what? There's there's a certain segment of people in the company that don't care. They just show up to work. They do their job. They do it well. And then there are other people that are really interested or have a lot of questions about why we do what we do. And so I had a lunch and learn, and I sent an email out. I said, here's what we're going to go over. Send me your questions in advance, and I'll try to touch on them. And I did three, and they were awesome. And so what we cover in our lunch and learn is we just start with the basics of Hey, here are the P's of marketing that you may have heard of. And here are the areas that our marketing department kind of focuses on. And here's the budget. Here's how our budget is created, where it comes from. What? Yeah. That's, what? that's awesome. I love it. So talking about the formula we use to develop our budget and then asking ourselves, what's the best way for ideal homes to spend this money to drive qualified traffic to our model homes? Then I go into a, a, a high level of here's our market. How's how, how, many, how many people buy homes in our market? Here's some consumer trends that are going on where we talk about, you know, people's use of mobile and how people buy things today and how much they value convenience and use that as the platform to say, here's what our market's like. Here's some consumer trends. Here's the budget we have to work with. And so here's where we spend that money and why. And then we get into a deep dive on the digital side, on all the tracking. We pull up analytics. We show them people using our website live. We show them some of the user testing that's been done. Because, you know, one of the questions you get sometimes is, how come we don't promote XYZ on our website? You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really great because it it gave a um, avenue for the people that care or have questions about it. To, to learn about it and walk away and be like, okay, these guys know what they're doing. Um, You're saying that in a much more thoughtful way than I'm about to, but I want to make sure people remember this. So, you know, I, because now everyone has a device in their pocket that has a camera app on it, you know, everyone thinks they're a photographer, 
look at, I applied this filter, right? You know, and marketers deal the same thing, you know, just because you have a Facebook account does not mean you know how to market on Facebook, especially not when you're talking about spending money to market on Facebook besides just posting interesting content that gets a lot of likes or engagement. So I think it's important not just to position yourself as the expert, but understand that sometimes when you hear that pushback of why don't we do X or why don't we do more of Y, it's because they feel like they are an expert. And so I think that format that you just described lets you take the time that's needed over a lunch to get deep enough to get people lost somewhat intentionally. (laughs) Well, there's a level of sophistication behind what we do that people get respect for when you, when you kind of show it. Yep, exactly. Okay. So back to the parade. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So back to the parade. So as part of that feedback where people are asking why we do what we do, we, we had some lunch and learns, but we were talking to our management team, team meeting one day and um, somebody that somebody got a mailer that was like, Hey, parade of home entries are due again. And they brought it up and we rehashed it all and really just said, Hey, here's the deal. My objection to the parade has never been, you know, supporting the industry or the parade itself. It's always just been spending marketing dollars on it. So if we don't want to spend marketing dollars on it, it is a wonderful internal relations thing that we can do for our team this year. Um, It's a great way to support the industry. And so we did it and just focused on it as internal relations and in supporting the industry. We didn't use marketing dollars. We did use marketing time. Um, which well, I can assure you. How do you not use marketing dollars? It's magic. Well, it's, well, we did come out of our marketing budget. We paid for okay. community reinvestment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Different line. So, what are, what kind of other things are in community reinvestment, or what is that like? What other stuff gets cost well, coded to that? The company, we we spend money every year um, just giving back to the community. So we built a village of tiny homes a few years ago for food and. Oh shelter. yeah. Yep. I remember um, seeing those. They're very obviously, cool. some things like the United Way. Um, um, our owner built a uh, building for the Salvation Army, and um, that we partnered with them on. And so, and so, whenever you you know you get all those requests from employees that say, "Hey, I'm I work I'm volunteering with Big Brothers Big Sisters. You have an event coming up. Uh, yep. We always donate to the things that our employees are volunteering their time with first, and then when we get all the other random requests of you know, the little league baseball teams, the local schools, that, that comes second. So we have the big things we focus on every year, United Way, American Cancer Society, special projects like the tiny homes. We try to support what our employees are putting their time into and then industry related things. So the parade of homes would fall into kind of the industry related. Yeah. So because of that shift in focus, did you have a different thought process in terms of which locations will participate? I focused our locations on which ones I thought would win the awards. Um, okay. So I tried to be strategic because that's really from an internal relations standpoint, it made people feel really good that we had all these awards sitting around. So we, I focused on affordable price points in lower competitive areas. I focused on newer model homes as the, as the home. And then I also gave a nod to which new home consultants I thought cared the most. Like there were some that, I knew would be excited about it because they're new. They don't know anything about the parade. They'd just be uh-huh. pumped. And then there are others that were like, oh my gosh, do I have to work the extra hours? Um, I was like, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's great because most of the time, for, for context for everyone else who's not been involved in a parade, most of the time it's driven entirely on 
you know, getting those not necessarily worse salespeople, but the salespeople who cry the most for traffic consistently. It's like, fine, put them in the parade or which community is furthest behind plan, put them in the parade. And so there are certainly different thought processes that you're describing than what would be typical in this scenario. Right. And, and now that it's over, I mean, it was, it, it served its purpose. Our team internally, it really, you know, the people here at our main office that aren't out in the field a lot that work in estimating or accounting, uh, purchasing or operations, um, they were excited to, to see that we had a product out there that got a lot of attention, that won, won some awards. And so it served that purpose internally. You know, I, I know that when I sent in the application to the Home Builders Association, they did a double take. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, now I'm going to be on their mailing list all the time, but it was good. I'm glad we did it. It was interesting the week of, though, as the marketing team was following up with operations and the landscaping people and the builders and reminding people of the dates. I was like, we have so many other things going on. I wish we weren't dealing with this, but it was a good thing. I'm glad we did it. Will yeah. we do it again? I don't know. Well, for for those listening, you're having a pretty good year overall. and. Rambling. Not because of do you convert, you're just having a pretty darn good year, right? You're well, ahead of sales plans. There's two reasons we're having a great year. One is do you oh. convert, and the other one is the parade of homes. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready care. for it. We my, sold my, one homes uh, in September, and our goal was uh, 38. So it, you know, it wow. was the parade. There you go. Thanks. So I think what what because I know you well enough, I'm going to ask it this question. Do you feel like because of your sales success, you're willing to do these things that are not typical or have more risk or do you, or, no would you put it back? Okay. There's no, question. well, that's, that's, that's very honest of you. So yeah. if you had to give a percentage, how much of it is we were already way ahead of our sales plan and how much of it was as a management team, we're trying to think differently. Well, it was, it, they kind of go hand in hand, maybe 50, 50. I mean, if we were, if we were below goal, and struggling this year. And, you know, I threw out my normal objections to the parade. I think everybody would have been like, yeah, we just need to sell stuff right now, you know? Mm, right. Um, gotcha. And so it kind, of, right. it kind of took both. But I will say, as we've gone through this, we're really leaning into um, our team this year on that culture because we have freed people up so much. Um, we're doing a lot of things as a company that we haven't done in the past just because people want to do it, just because we're trying to you know, keep that energy and momentum going and, mm -hmm. and winning, you know, when you're winning as a company, um, it solves a lot of problems. You know, nobody complains about the coaches on a winning football team. You know, they don't have, they don't have behind doors, closed meetings for winning football teams. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I think what's so interesting though, and this is why you're, you know, the first repeat guest is because you are more thoughtful than the average marketer in that, when you're ahead, yeah, it's, you don't need to be ashamed or apologize for the fact that because you're ahead, you're now able to invest your time, energy, and resources in slightly different ways. And I talk all the time about thinking like a Warren Buffett as an investor. There, there will be years to come, right, where you will have to say, I'm sorry, we're not going to be in the parade this year because we have to focus on blocking, tackling, converting, getting sales. But you're depositing into that that bank account right now of culture and people and making sure that so I think it's it's always important when you're leading to be investing in the things you can because you're in that environment. 
Well, I think the challenge that I run into is that when we hit 61 in a month, I think, man, if we hadn't done the parade, would we have hit uh, 68 or 70? You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, the, it's the incremental sales. Um, I'm, more, I'm actually more uptight when we're way ahead of pace than when we're behind it. Because when you're behind it, it's just measuring, blocking, tackling, you know, focusing on what you need to focus mm-hmm. on. When you're ahead, you, you sometimes wonder what, okay, are, are, there, are we creating distractions that are keeping us from even getting a bigger piece of the pie? So I'm, there is no question that it made it easier to do something that we have normally not done when we were ahead of pace. But it also, it, it, it wasn't without some anxiety. Sure, because now you you could find out that that money was completely wasted, and and that if you, if you're a responsible individual running a marketing department, uh, or in your case, sales and marketing, and you're responsible for that budget, you do treat it as your money. And so, so of course, because you're better at blocking and tackling, it gives you the confidence of knowing why you're up too. Again, like you were describing, you could be getting some some scope creep, some behaviors that are not as good. It's easier in a good environment. But historically, Ideal Homes has been so good at blocking and tackling and training and training and training to the process that, again, I would imagine you have a certain level of confidence that while things might be getting a little bit out of hand or off focus or you might have been able to do a little bit better, you're not so far out that you all have forgotten kind of your core competency. Right. No, that's that's well put. I I mean, you're still going to let a salesperson go if they don't sell a home in six months. I imagine. <laughs> I will tell you to wrap up the parade story that Julie Jarnigan, who listens to the podcast and is our marketing communication specialist and has worked with me for 12, 13 plus years. She reminded me when we did the parade that the last year we did the parade, she was in charge of entering all the homes and she missed the deadline. I can count on one hand the number of mistakes Julie Jarnigan has made in 14 years or whatever. Wow. And so she came into my office really nervous, like, oh, my gosh, I have to go in there and tell Steve that I totally screwed this deal up. We missed the deadline and that I was excited about it when she told me. So. <laughs> that, um, that reminds me, I, I keep giving little insights into Kevin Oakley's life. In, I was in eighth grade, last day of school, and I was playing with my friends, kicked a soccer ball into this huge picture window. I mean, it was, it had to have been like five feet by eight feet or, or larger and it shattered and all my friends, you know, they pause, they look at me and then they split off and run in different directions. <laughs> and I, I guess this is dumb as a kid. I don't, I, I, I was just like, I, I just started walking over and I started piling up the glass. <laughs> like it just come find someone come find me and tell me I'm in trouble. Cause I know I'm in trouble. And the principal comes in it was last day of middle school of my entire middle school career. He comes in, he goes, Oakley. It's about time you screwed up at something, and I didn't. Re- I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> Very nice. Proud of you. That, that, that was you just good. So I, I re- that's shocking. Yeah, I, re- I relate to exactly what you're saying with Julie, and she is awesome. Okay. I have a big question for you, Steve. So um, you jokingly said that you were planning your podcast room before we started this, as we were getting the sound cued in. Do you have any fun, exciting plans for 2020? I feel like I I shouldn't be talking about 2020. But I'm already thinking you know, about it for some reason. Nothing comes to mind as super fun and exciting, but I do have fun in this planning process because 
you know, our marketing team, our, our process we go through when we start our budgeting and planning is just taking a high level feel back at the year and saying, hey, what are some win stories? What were some successes? Let's take an overall high look at our results and just what felt good and what kept us up at night. And those conversations usually are the best in the entire planning process. Just going back through the year about remember last year when we were planning and this was a big deal and and then we got into it and we had problems executing around it. And then there was this aha moment. And uh, so those conversations where we talk about what felt good from the previous year and what keeps us up at night when we think about it, um, th- that's so much fun to me. And it's always fun a year later to look back at some of those things and what you were really uptight about that really wasn't a big deal or where you weren't focused in the right areas and realized you should be. So it, it was good. We don't, we don't, so we don't have any, anything big and exciting. I think that the, the big thing for me this year is really making sure that we have the right ownership in the content realm, you know, as, as our content needs have expanded mm-hmm. and it is no longer the tail that wags the dog. It is the dog. So much of that has been piecemealed out. You know, our graphic designer works on a large part of it. Um, Julie works on a large part of it. Our online sales counselor works on some of it. It's just, and so making sure we get all those things in the right bucket that we execute around yeah. developing content because it's, and I, yep. and I, and I, by default find myself doing a lot of it. We have a monthly content meeting and usually when there's something that we're held up on, it's my fault. It's like, Hey Steve, remember you're supposed to work on this video. <laughs> so trying to do yeah. some of True. that stuff um, in the right hands and with the right owners so that we can be consistent and not, not worry about who's doing what and just go. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we're not going to have an instant answer or helpful piece of content here for you, but just a couple different ways that you could break that down too, for those of you listening is historically people have thought about content in terms of these different pieces of like, okay, you're in charge of photos, you're, you're in charge of copy, you're in charge of bullet points of features, whatever those different things are. And you could also think about it and break it down in terms of roles, in terms of who is the idea person, who is the implementation person, who's the editor or the the right. the curator mm-hmm. of the content, because everyone has different roles. I mean, Steve, you've been in this business for 16 years, I think you said, right? Right. So when you walk into a home, you're going to potentially have a piece of content or a content idea that someone who's only been in the business two years wouldn't even know to like, oh, you mean that molding piece on the cabinet isn't included? It just looks like it's part of the cabinet. No, that's the the lower the lower uh, trim piece on the cabinet. That's an optional upgrade. So you might have more in-depth or more nuanced pieces that could be interesting to be to be thought through and expanded on. But also walking through a model with a brand new employee and saying, what's standing out to you could be something that as a veteran, you just take for granted and miss and just assume is, you know, why do we put the outlet here in the foyer, you know, it's right. like, because we always have. So, um, I think, I think one of the hardest parts in that too is the curator part because everyone who comes up with an idea or creates a piece of content feels a connection to it because it's theirs. It's that same thing of, you know, you put Ikea furniture together. It's like, I, I made this, I built this. It's better than something else that I could have bought from another place already pre-assembled. And that curator has to say, from purely the standpoint of the consumer, this one wins, this one's worth investing more time in, this one's worth repurposing in five different formats, this one's maybe not. And it's hard 
a lot of a lot of people in your position, Steve, would put that all on them. And you may not, de- depending on how self-aware you can be or or your career path or just your bent, you may not be the best curator, even though you're the one in charge. Anyway. No, that's a good point. And I will say this year, 2019, for the first time, it started getting easier. And Ooh. and the reason is we would be in a, a month. We have a monthly meeting where we look at the results from the previous month um, on our email marketing and social engagement, that type of thing. And then we look a couple of months ahead and say, okay, what what are we what are our content needs? What's going to be in our e-blast? What are we going to blog about? What assets are we going to need to pull together? And as the year went on, those meetings started mm-hmm. getting easier and easier because as we had conversations about, you know, okay, we have a new model home. Oh, remember we did a virtual tour of that plan six months ago and we did a blog post about that plan when it was brand new. And, mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden we, we already had all the stuff and it was just figuring out how to put it together. And so it really, it really started clicking that, you know, the flywheel as it's been it starts real slow and man, it went slow for a couple of years on content. I think Kevin, you had to boot me in the butt a couple of times with, you know, and, we just it, and it started spinning faster and faster and faster, and so you you start to see that it becomes more seamless. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And also, the other piece though that you didn't talk about directly, and then we'll kind of end with this is talk about just your perspective because I think people on this one, this is one of those things where I talk about and I can tell people get really like that. You're just saying that because you want to keep life easy. This idea of having a regular meeting where you're talking about what should we talk about in the next week or two or month versus sitting down in advance and planning out what you're going to talk about in February of 2020 right now. Yeah, I would like to hear your perspective Gosh. first and then I'll circle back on, on mine. Well, I think we're going to this be somewhere. About but... 16 years, I'll just tell you if you haven't been doing this as long as me, that I paid some dumb tax on. And that is you can try to plan your entire year out and it's a fool's errand because the year is dynamic and you can plan budget out. You can, there is some, there are some things that you need to plan in advance, but when it comes to content and your planning, if you go too far in front of your skis, you're just going to face plant. And so um, we try to look at previous month's results. And then the next we do, we plan out the next 30 days. Usually when there's, you know, a, a week left in the month, we plan out the next month in great detail. And then we give a high level thought to the next month after that. What are some ideas? We get those yeah. ideas on the agenda to prompt our discussion the next month, but we do not plan that next month out. Okay. Awesome. I, and I'm right there with you. I think it's, I, th- I think it's yeah, important to that. block out the amount of content you want to be creating in a given month and f- make sure people's schedule and budgets align to get those, you know, things like I want to create a 30 second or one minute video next month, but choosing a specific topic, if it's not evergreen, if it's about a specific community or a specific home or whatever, if it's not evergreen content, so much of that ends up correctly, I think, needing to be tied to the sales results that are needed or other company goals. And those, like you're saying, we have no idea that you would be ahead of sales plan as much as you are right now. So the type of content you would choosing to be creating again, if it's not evergreen will will ebb and flow based upon so many different things that are, it's a little bit like pre-sale when people give up because they don't have control of when the community is really going to come online. Right. 
a lot of people end up giving up on content for the same thing is they, they make this perfect plan and then it shatters into a million pieces a month and a half into the year. I'll, I'll give you a great example is we did not know at this time last year, what the used home inventory was going to be like in Oklahoma city today, which it's extremely mm. tight. And that changes, you know, how you're pushing your inventory versus customs. It, it just, there's too much. And so, um, and if you plan out too much content, you only go execute around the stuff that's easier fun. You know, it's just so <laughs> yep. keeping it focused is is better. Yep. Awesome. Well, Steve, thanks so much for taking your time on a busy Tuesday to get this interview in. My pleasure, guys. It was fun. Yeah, we always we always love having you. And yeah. again, we talked about this on the live episode. But Steve is one of those people. There's not very many. I would say Steve and Chris Hartley are the two that come to mind most readily. There are others. Don't get mad at me. Don't email me. Text me. Uh, said I didn't say <laughs> that if you reach out to Steve or Chris, they're going to try to help you uh, and not just superficially, they'll try to give you as much as they reasonably can. And that's one of the reasons we love to, to highlight Steve so much. All right, Steve. Thank thanks guys. again, man. So for last week's question of the week, it was, should we kill story time or keep it or build time into the segment? And overwhelmingly, everybody voted to keep it. Good. So no one wanted to kill it. Otherwise, I might, nope. might cry Not- a little bit. They don't like our stories. Okay, good. Go oh, Andrew, did you vote it. to shorten it? So Andrew you know, voted I, to shorten it. No, no, no. I, un- <laughs> I just clicked on it. No, you did. Ago. No, you did. It's, uh, I you voted. It's official. I, oh, man. Answers are locked. Shoot. There's no, <laughs> I'm hacking the system. That's not allowed. No, I wanted to see. I'm like, who Who said to shorten it? And then I, I'm like, I need to connect with this person just because I didn't know that, didn't recognize the name. But sometimes you read names and you're like, I don't know. That. And then you, yeah. So and you see, you see their picture yeah. and you know them. There we go. Exactly. Some comments, though, from Robert August. Needed. Love it. Straight to the point. <laughs> needed. That's the best. And then a past guest on the show, uh, Kevin Witzel, right? We, I, I know before we recorded that, we're like, how do you pronounce your name correct? Weitzel. It, it's Weitzel. Ah, yeah. Weitzel. <laughs> he said, Weitzel, eager to kill it. Don't we have enough violence? If you want to kill it, I know a guy who knows a guy. Uh, he's, a, he's a jokester. He's, he is fun to follow. And then. Then our Kevin, Kevin Oakley, we learned he's a pacifist and he would only kill inanimate objects like yeah, I don't know, you kill story time, that's fine or something, yeah. But so we're but we're no, keeping no one else. It. Yeah, we we'll do a keep whole it. Story we will. Time episode. We we could. I think we're just gonna <laughs> not make. We're not. We're not gonna require folks to have a story. You know, if if you don't have something that's more directly related to what's going on or marketing in general, we can. Or if you're building a house, of course, that's the one. If you're building there a house. Go. Or selling a house, oh, yeah. and you get you get unlimited story time. But we'll try, not not really try to shorten it up a little bit for uh, awesome. For Terry. Awesome uh, warranty story time coming up next week. It's been Ooh. awesome this week. It's been it's so it's so comical. Oh boy, it's oh, just yeah, like I can't wait I can, for that. I can only no, laugh no, 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 don't it. don't just tease it. And we'll leave it for just next tease. week. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this week's question of the week connected to Mister Shoemaker's uh, Parade of Homes talk. Uh, how much value do you all see out of your Parade of Homes uh, events that you participate or, or that you've watched others participate in? Are you still seeing similar amounts of value? Do you do, you do them regularly? Is it is it a coin toss every year? 
talk to us about how you work collectively with other builders in your market. Uh, I know some people do scattered site parades. Some people it's all on one street. Some people have separate events just for multifamily. That's a parade format. So tell us how you view parade of homes and what kind of value you've seen out of that. And if it's changed at all over the years, as it seems like almost everything else has changed uh, quite a bit. All right. That'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out deconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We'll see you next week. See ya. See ya. See ya.